0: and I'm Taisei Fu. This is our first
1: episode since the Canadians swept the (laughs) Winnipeg Jets round two, and they are now in the final four. They are forever North Division champions, probably the only ones of all time. Should they hang a banner? The answer is absolutely yes. I would love for them to hang that North Division champions banner, no question about it. Uh, They've been playing with house money pretty much this entire playoffs uh and now it's even more true they're in round three for the first time since 2014 uh with this team that finished 18th in the nhl uh and man i still don't believe in them at all so it feels great every time they win i because because my belief in them hasn't grown at all since the start of this playoffs and yet they're they're still they're still winning and uh you know i gotta say Uh, going into the series against the Vegas Golden Knights in round three. Habs Knights, how fun is that going to be? I am more convinced than ever that they're going to (laughs)
0: lose. Of course. Look, first (laughs) of all, let's just revel in the fact that the Habs are officially Canada's team. All right? You you can put that on the banner right there. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But yeah, they're going up against the Golden Knights. We'll get into the preview a bit later. But uh, it's just it's such a weird thing. Because, like, you know, we talked about it before we started recording. Like, you know, the, we wouldn't to play the Jets in the playoffs until, like, the Stanley Cup final in that scenario. But it's different. Because I have played the Jets, like, ten times this year. Uh, the Habs yeah. never play the fucking Golden Knights, right? Uh, and, like, you know, I happen to strongly dislike the Golden Knights. And so any opportunity to play them for an, in an actual playoff series um, is, uh well, and pl- and the, just given the fact that we are playing with the House Money right now, It just feels like a win win scenario. Um, And so, yeah, it's fucking wild. It's completely nuts that this team, not only like, okay, won the division, that's cool. They're one of the last four teams remaining to win the Stanley Cup. Like, how fucking funny is that? Like, okay, it's not one in four because this team sucks, but like, (laughs) if all things were equal, it would be one in four. And like, yeah, I was thinking about this, like, that's fucking crazy. There are only three like- other teams they had to go through. Well, like, you know, two, but like, whatever.
1: I feel like Toronto is the only team in this division where it wouldn't have felt a little bit weird that they were in the final four because, you know, they were pretty good. And so, you know, like Montreal is obviously like one of the weird, but even if it was like Edmonton or Winnipeg, it'd be like, wow, you know, they kind of stick out as being probably the worst ones here. Um. So before we get to yeah that preview with the Golden Knights, which by the way they've only played them six times ever Vegas and <laughs> Montreal has won five of them, so that total of there six uh, could very well double in the in the coming week and a half or two weeks or, or so. Obviously that that patch ready trade is going to be a you know a, a discussion point throughout the series. Uh, but let's talk about their sweep against the Jets, where they absolutely steamrolled them in every single game. I really wasn't close. Unlike the Oilers Jets sweep, where the Oilers actually outplayed the Jets for most of the most of the series, most of the games, uh the Canadians absolutely played like a team that deserved to sweep the other team. Um and it was even more apparent without Stifley in the lineup, as we all kind of predicted. Uh, after he went down, everything was much worse. They were giving the Jets were giving up odd man rushes left and right all the time. Uh, and, you know, even that game four where the Jets, you know, with Logan Stanley, of all people, had a 2-0 game. It was like, oh, it's tied. It did kind of feel ine- inevitable, even in overtime, that, yeah, this is Montreal's game to win. Uh, they're going to complete the sweep here.
0: Yeah, look, the fact is, the Jets fucking suck. Um, they have they have no teeth whatsoever and at no point in the series. And think about what kind of team this is that, that the Habs have. It's a pretty bad one. Right? Like one that wouldn't typically make the playoffs. And even then, and yeah, sure, maybe they're playing the best hockey of their season. But even then, this roster, there's no superstar or anything, you know? Like, well, maybe Cole Caulfield. But like, you know, no established superstar just yet. And to take that into consideration, the Jets, even despite that, the Jets still fucking sucked. Ah, it was so funny. That might have been one of the most least threatening playoff performances I've ever seen by a team. Honest to Especially God. Like two. I there was, yeah, especially in round two, exactly, like, what the hell, like, it was like, there was no point, absolutely, like, if they had, you know, just got a lucky bounce in game four or whatever, I would not have been concerned one bit, you know, the only sad part of me would have been like, okay, they're losing out on some rest, Um, but, you know, man, the Jets sucked so hard, they couldn't get anything going offensively, at all, like, Oh, my God. Even their top guys, like, shut down by Philippe Dano or whatever you want to say. Like, it actually ended up happening. Like, oh, you know, maybe Shively wasn't part of it. But the other guy sure as shit did. Um, and, you know, they couldn't solve Montreal's defensive system at all. And it's like they didn't even try. That's that's the that's the weird thing, you know? Like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Maybe it takes a couple games to adjust. And, you know, maybe you, you came in thinking that your game plan would work. And then you kind of realized it didn't after two games. Well, then I expect some sort of adjustment from the coaching staff, from the players. Um, in order to attack, uh, you know, Montreal's defensive system. But, like, it was just exactly the same thing. I was, like, watching game three. I was watching game four. It was, like, watching the same game, like, over and over where the Jets are trying to try the same shit, you know, and then they ended up, like, you know, just basically shooting from the perimeter and hoping something gets there. And they don't even crowd the net or anything. It's just, like, it's, like, easy work for Carey Price. uh, And... Yeah, and that's not even to mention they're fucking working the defensive zone. They just fucking suck all around. And uh the only part that was good was yeah. Connor Hellebuck, and he couldn't stand on his head completely. And look at that, they lost in four shit games, and it wasn't fucking yeah. close to the fucking halves of all teams.
1: Yeah, the Jets need Connor Hellebuck to be world class, and he was just pretty good. And unfortunately, that's not enough for them. Um, we were talking in the preview of this series, Nikolai Ehlers, I think we both agreed, was the player on the Jets that scared us the most. Uh, he was nowhere to really be found. But as is tends to happen with, you know, most teams, there's an injury dump when they get eliminated from the playoffs, which means, uh, the team re- releases the list of all the injuries that the players were dealing with, uh, which is honestly, uh, very concerning, but we're all just so numb to it at this point. We're like, Oh yeah, let's wait to see, uh, you know, what 75% of the roster was playing with. Nikolai Ehlers said he felt a hundred percent during the series, but uh, he had a, a, a torn labrum and a rib cartilage fracture. Now, I'm not exactly sure uh, what those things consist of, but I can't imagine that they feel great. I think someone had even mentioned, uh, don't quote me on this because I might be getting a little mixed up, that a, that a torn labrum is the type of thing that like might hurt like every single time you take a stride. Uh, so this would lead me to believe that Nikolai Ehlers was lying about being uh, 100% during the series.
0: Yeah, no, you know, players do that all the time. Lie about the injuries. It's a problem. It's not good for them. And frankly, you know, it's not great for the team either. Um, but, you know, even if he was healthy, I don't think it would have made much of a difference because the talent around him fucking sucked. Um, look, there's just like a hey, everybody around him was terrible. Uh, I mean, like all the guys that we're talking about, like kind of struggled and oh, they need to step up if they're going to, you know, Put up a fight against the Habs. Like, dude, wow, was like, what that, that was a whole narrative, right? Like this guy didn't even know a fucking line he was playing on every any, any given shift. Um and just truly, truly an awful team. Like not a playoff team at all. And the Jets are and uh I mean, yeah, you gotta think about how they shut down the Oilers and you know, you, you think like, was that a fluke? Uh probably not. Honestly, the, the oilers suck too. Um so you know, just a whole bunch of crappy teams coming from the north. The Leaves completely choked it so the Habs could win. And then now that that's how you find yourself with absolute joke of a Final Four team, uh, and uh, I'm all <laughs> here for it. I'm I'm so down for this. I'm so fucking down for this. Uh, and you know, more and more, like you know, like I think about it, and I'm like, yeah. How many times am I ever going to see like in my entire life? You know, with first of all, I don't even know if the NHL is going to last my entire lifetime. But even if it does, how many times are they going to actually make the Final Four? You know, um, and so it's even happened if three it's a complete- times so far. Exactly. And I've lived for like 18 years. And even then, like three, three times in 18 years, that's like almost above average. If we think about it, like mathematically. it is like 32 teams like you should be getting there like once every eight years. And so that's like almost once every decade. So even if this team is complete horseshit, I can't help to I can't help but uh, feel a sense of almost, I don't know, urgency. Um, Like, uh, you know, I'm not going to see this that many times in my life. So I might as well fucking enjoy it a cheer for them. Um, But it's just so funny that Steve just complete, it's complete balls. <laughs> it's not a contender at all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, here mm-hmm. we are, final four.
1: Yeah, I just think the Avalanche, a lot of people were, were pointing out now that they, you know, uh, lost, they got upset by the Golden Knights, Um, that they haven't made round three since like, it might've been like 19 years, 20 years. It's been a long time. That's a really good team now, the Avalanche. And they haven't made round three in a very long time uh Montreal their last time was 2014 before that it was 2010 the Halak run you never know this there's a very good chance that after this year the Habs won't make the conference finals again for another seven years or maybe even more so let's all enjoy it while we're here as for the Jets um man they were really looking like you know in 2018 they made the conference finals like they were really set up well with a strong young core to be contenders for a long time and then uh, losing Tyler Myers Jacob truba and Dustin Bufflin all in one off season really set them back a lot they knew they were not planning on resetting Meyer he walked as a UFA Truba wanted out badly and had for a while and they got like okay value for him it wasn't great they got Neil Pionk in a first round pick and then they're drafting Billy Hanla and then Dustin Bufflin that was out of nowhere he decided to essentially retire uh, and then Josh Morris who was left as their number one defenseman and they haven't really recovered uh but I I don't think they're that far from being like a, a a good team again. They're not a good team now. I really think they're only like a couple of good defensemen away. Um, Like Matthias Ekholm. They were in on Matthias Ekholm earlier at the trade deadline reportedly. Uh, He only has the one year left on his contract. I think if they want to, you know, make the playoffs next year, then that's a player they really should be trying to target Uh, in the offseason.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I think this this roster, like even the forwards, feel kind of weak at this point. You know, like lots of t, te- lots of names. You know, especially like top top six that are like you know solid names. They're they're they look good on paper, but this team doesn't really, I don't know, gel together. Like not even just in the playoffs, but just in general. I mean, like we're looking at this team, like you know they they were like in a weak north north division this year, up and down and up and down, and like the forwards weren't great all season, and so like. Yeah, I don't know. I have my doubts about this team. Like, even if they get that defenseman, I feel like uh, I don't I don't like the way they're constructed. Like, um, you know, obviously the defense sucks, but also I don't think like, you know, they have like a world class top six or anything. Um, And I think their forward core is like pretty fucking ho-hum. Um, And yeah, you can do anything if, you know, Connor Helba keeps giving you Vez in the seasons. But, you know, taking it to the next level, becoming any sort of contender, or even just, like, a regular playoff team that expects it to make it to the second round, like, I really don't think that team is good enough, even if you add Ekholm.
1: Yeah, man, that forward group felt so much better when Laine was there instead of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. And, I mean, I know Patrick Laine wasn't great with the, the Blue Jackets, but both teams really appeared to lose this trade. I I think the Blue Jackets probably still have the edge just because Jack Roslevic was pretty good, but Pierre-Luc Dubois was... Uh, man that fell flat hard he was I didn't notice him at all in the entire series against Montreal I don't did he even have a goal in the entire playoffs I don't think so uh and I don't know if he was playing injured or what but the Jets are gonna need him to bounce back next year if they if they want to be any good
0: yeah but I don't have much faith in that I mean did you see the way they like they put him on the fourth line at times you know like it's just it doesn't seem like they're trying to make it work with him. You know, it kind of seems like they've already sort of lost faith. Uh, and, uh, yikes. Like he's 22. Yeah, I know. But like, look at the way, is that how you should, you want to treat your, you know, not maybe a franchise center, but like top six center when he's 22 years old, you want to bounce him around the lineup like that. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. I'm saying, why would you lose faith in a player like that?
0: Right. Exactly. Absolutely. But I still think they are like, I think what they're doing with him, um, yeah, it doesn't really show much faith at all. And yikes, he wasn't good during the regular season either. It wasn't just the playoffs, right? So, um, yeah, oof, that's a lot of lost trade value right there.
1: Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Mark Shifley had that that great yeah. quote. Everyone was kind of dung on him for at the end. He said something that he had clearly practiced in front of the mirror for like I don't know a couple <laughs> days leading up to it because I'm like, oh, I thought it was going to be Philip Dano who tried to shut me down, but in the end, it was the Department of Player Safety that shut me down, and I was like, oh. Oh, mic drop, Mark Shively. Uh, A couple people kind of... It was funny because it was kind of felt like the natural thing that a person would say uh, if you're trying to make that point is to be like, I thought Philip Dano was going to shut me down, but it was the Department of Player Safety, and Mark it felt like he really did have to go out of his way to be like, I thought it was going to be Philip Dano who Tried to shut me down, and he had to like. <laughs> it, it felt it felt very awkward to for him to put in that extra effort, so as to not imply that Philip Dando would have easily shut Mark Shifley down. Uh, and of course, uh, the bigger thing was the fact that Mark Shifley doesn't take any um any of the blame or any of the uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he doesn't feel like he did anything wrong. Accountability, yeah, sure, that do one will work. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's not taking any accountability for that dirty hit. Uh, unlike, you know, Eric Engels actually pointed out, do you remember Paul Byron got a three game suspension in 2019 for a hit on Mackenzie Wieger? And he came out with this like long notes app thing. Like I respect the decision and I, and I've got to be better in the future or whatever. Mark Schreff is just like, oh yeah, the Department of player safety shut me down. Uh, and he doesn't even, he he feels like it's something that happened to him and not that he did to himself.
0: A truly a a spectacularly bad uh, attempt at managing his own PR image. Oh, uh, I don't know what the hell this guy is thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like, just both the statement, but then also, like, as you pointed out, like, yeah. oh, yeah, he tried, you know, I thought it was, that I was going to try to stop me anyways. uh Like, yeah, he was just like, this man was clearly, like, angry and thinking about it in the shower a bit too much or some shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He said, all right. I'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it just watch me <laughs> um and yeah but it is truly remarkable this guy has no fucking clue what's going on he did um and it's clear that he shows like no remorse he has no remorse think it was terrible whatsoever he's just like yeah it was uh it was pretty clean i just it was just a bad result i think that's the mentality he takes uh completely ignoring the fact that uh you know he skated down the length of the ice to develop uh, deliver a, a full speed hit um that you know to the head of Jake Evans uh, on an empty net goal when the game was already over. So um, yeah, pretty pretty fucked, pretty fucked. And uh, you know, I didn't see, I don't know, Paul, but other than Paul Maurice, who probably would have defend that kind of behavior. I didn't really see anyone who was like, "Oh, you make such a great point. Uh, well, what, a, what a great roast!" Like He really just comes off as stupid and uh, and and looks yeah. like he hasn't learned shit. He's just really telling on himself um, and yeah just truly the stupidity is remarkable with this man uh and yeah, yeah it sucks that he it sucks that the message didn't get through to him you know because like we're trying to cut that shit out of the game and like moving forward like it's clear that he doesn't think that he should cut that shit from his game
1: mm-hmm. and of course i think uh speaking of uh, winnipeg jets looking stupid blake wheeler called mark shifley one of the top five players in the nhl <laughs> um and i know we, we always expect players to say like, oh yeah my teammates are great but i feel like if you, t- you take it a bit too far, like Blake Wheeler did, then all of a sudden people are sh- start to catch on, like, okay, we are you <laughs> even being sincere if you're saying Mark Shifley? It's like what, McDavid, uh, Matthews, McKinnon, Crosby, and Mark Shifley, really, that's your Mount Rushmore <laughs> plus one?
0: Yeah, yeah, it really does. It starts to seem disingenuous at a certain point, you know. Like yes,
1: exactly. Like what are
0: you? <laughs> you're you're not you. are You gotta be kidding, right? Like you're you're joking, right? Like you are you joking? All right, um, like you really start to question it, and uh, yeah. So real some real cloud shit going on feels in Winnipeg. Like, um,
1: it's <laughs> like imagine if like Jared Spurgeon was like, oh yeah, Cam Talbot should win the Vesna. Like you know, it feels like that. It's like okay, are you just kind of you know like semi joking to prop up your teammate? But with Blake Wheeler, he was. He feels like the type of guy who would never ever tell a joke, so I'm pretty sure he was being right. totally honest.
0: Yeah, maybe he actually thinks that, but even then, like, oh, he does. It, it kind of it sounds like it sounds like a control job. Like, I feel like if I saw that on Twitter, I'd be like, okay, that's just a Jets fan trying to troll people. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> who the fuck? Who the fuck in their right mind is saying, yeah, Mark Scheifele is the top five NHL player? Like, are you completely out of your mind? Um, just uh, yeah. Anyways, I I don't know if he really believes it. Like, either way, it's 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 like uh. It's astounding. If he really believes he's the top five player, then like incredible, mm-hmm. truly incredible logic there. Um, and if he isn't, well, uh, nice leap there in the media. All right. Um, oh, yeah. we, haven't really we, the about... we haven't really talked about the Habs. Uh, we haven't really talked about the Habs as a team, you know, like, and uh, how they did. Um, they I did don't great. know what, what they're, yeah, what much there is to say, <laughs> but uh, like, you know, it, this team's playing well. Like, you know, like for all the, the, the bullshit that their opponents have pulled uh, in terms of just choking and being awful, like, you know, you can't deny that the Habs are playing well. Uh, and yeah. the Habs are certainly better than they have in the regular, like, like in the back half of the regular season. Uh, and yeah, you know, like the, all four lines are rolling. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Like all, like, well, maybe it's maybe it's skewed because the Jets fucking sucked, But like, it really felt like all four lines are rolling. Like the worst... What I thought the worst performing line in the series was, what, the Yemi line? Like, they didn't really show up too much on the score sheet, but, like, they were fine. They were fucking fine. Uh, and, like, the fourth line was great. And, yeah, it just feels like everybody's rolling. It might just be that they played a shitty team. But, you know, I got some good vibes coming out of that series. Um, And they seem to have really bought into the system. Do I think that system is particularly good? No. But, you know, buy-in is important. And, you know, DeSharm seems to have gotten that, so hats off to him for that. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: they started the season so well, we were talking like, Oh, this this is the real deal. Maybe they'll maybe they're the best team in the North. And then we found out quickly that they weren't, but I mean, now they're kind of are in theory. Uh, but anyway, it was, it was really one of those, what are the, the parabola? I haven't mentioned a parabola since high school, but you know, they started off up super high. Then they got a big dip towards the middle slash end slash, you know, back 65% of the regular season. And now they're uh, back on the, on the soup upward in the playoffs. Uh, and they're they're really playing at their absolute best right now, the top of their game, and they've won seven in a row now. Their longest winning streak since I don't even know when's the last time they had seven. And another fun uh, fun stat they kept showing on the screen in game four was that I think they're now uh, third all time on longest time without trailing in the playoffs because in those entire seven games they haven't trailed for a second. And I think actually um, because of you know they ended overtime so quickly in game four, I was something like they're like eight seconds off of. Uh, either climbing into third or climbing into second. I don't remember exactly on that. So that'll be a fun thing to watch out for in round three. Hopefully the Golden Knights don't score six seconds into game one, but uh, I don't know. We'll, yeah, I, we'll I, I want like, to also mention, <laughs> I also wanted to mention, I was just gonna say like that, that streak, that streak yeah. has 30
0: seconds left in it. Like that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I want uh, you shouted out that that fourth line. Also Um, Eric stall Yoel Armia, Corey Perry, all pending UFAs, but for the time being, they are, uh, as far as fourth lines go, they've been dominant. Uh, on the cycle, I've noticed multiple times for game, uh, they're actually able to have sustained zone pressure, and they've actually scored a couple times with that sustained zone pressure. It's not just, you're not just hemming them in, which is very nice. I've come around to Eric Stahl quite a bit. He's impressed me much more, uh, especially in that Jet series, than he had uh, any time he played in the regular season. Uh, and, you know, I well, I don't want him to come out of the, the lineup I don't know like what Evans timetable is. Uh I assume Evans would come back in and Lekkonen would come out if Evans were if Evans were healthy. Um Tatar though. I wanna mention Tatar specifically because obviously uh one of that one of those things with that um the Vegas series is that trade. And he was of course a part of that trade. And instead of it just being, you know, patch ready versus Suzuki, I really I really I wish Tatar would get in. And I don't think he's gonna get in for game one, because there's no reason for Ducharme to to wanna shake up this lineup. But I hope eventually Maybe they'll—I don't know—get absolutely shelled in a game and Ducharme will sh- shake it up and put Tatar back in. Uh, but I really think it would be great for Thomas Tatar to, and I think he would, because I think he would have ammunition to kind of, oh yeah, you acquired me and you barely played me in the playoffs and then you traded me as a cap dump. Well, look at me now—I'm scoring against you. And I know that's kind of a—it seems pretty uh, childish, but we see very often players especially with offensive talent like Tatar, and even with like you know to against the canucks this season a lot of times there is a little bit of uh, extra adrenaline when you're playing uh your former team or a team that let you go or, or didn't want to
0: yeah that's fair um but right now as it stands i mean like it really feels like all three all four lines are really just like It seems like like the perfect line combination right now. The way they all kind of work together, and uh, yeah, that fourth line, like, (laughs) offensive sustained offensive zone pressure, that was kind of fucking wild. Uh, I don't remember seeing any of that all season, basically for the Habs. Um, (laughs) and then to to have it come from the fourth line was like, ah, all right, well, that's a fucking pleasant surprise. Um, so yeah, that's that's good for them. Um, but yeah, really, it seems like all four lines, like Lekkinen, has really slotted in well with with Dano and Gallagher on that top line I think that's just a product of those two players already just being very familiar with each other yeah it, Dano and Gallagher and you can really slot anybody in there and like if they have they're, if they're skilled like like an a decent amount of skill then you know it fucking works um but yeah it's just it's it's like everybody's kind of rolling uh and yeah, all was, four lines are rolling yeah
1: yeah I was just gonna say you say the four lines are all you know working so well and that fourth line that third line of, of Kotkanemi Byron and Anderson uh the Suzuki to foli coffee line and then the line of Dano, Gallagher and whoever you want. It'll work fine. So I don't think like if you did swap out Lechan for Tatar or if Evans got back in there, it wouldn't really it wouldn't really change anything. Or honestly it might even be an improvement in terms of how well things are rolling.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's an asset. You know, you can just kinda of ride the hot hand. Uh and I think that's what Ducharme's doing. I don't think like, you know, Tatar is the better player. Uh I think but and to see him scratch kind of sucks. But he wasn't really playing well. So you know and and if one of them starts to struggle, like the Tar healthy, right? You can just slot him in. He's had a lot of rest, and I'm sure if he does get in the lineup, he'll be pissed. He just wants to keep that lineup spot, right? Uh, Pen being a mm-hmm. pending UFA and everything. So uh, yeah, that's that. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I really, I'm really interested to see how they stack up against Vegas um, because you know it kind of feels a bit like a new look team, but also they might just get completely fucking waxed by the Golden Knights, and I wouldn't really be surprised. Um, so uh-huh. yeah, it remains to be seen all right
1: mm-hmm. let's um, shout out uh the cn tower though uh lighting itself <laughs> up in montreal canadian's colors uh because i just mean, got way more attention than it should have because a bunch of least oh, fans absolutely. don't realize because my first i didn't even really realize first of all that like oh it really is like a canadian monument that just happens to be in toronto but it's not a toronto specific thing and I, at first i was like oh did they like lose a bet with like some with like st joseph's oratory or something <laughs> i was gonna i was like i don't know uh, but that's not the case it's you imagine if like if like two <laughs> monuments like st joseph's oratory is in like maple leafs blue and white if the if the leaves beat the halves anyway um but yeah so the basically it's a canadian monument and so it celebrates canadian things and it was like way to go montreal for being the uh only canadian team or being the canadian the last canadian team left in the final four we light you up in the blue blanc, rouge to celebrate you uh but one thing i found funny about it was that it kind of gave off this vibe that like wow a canadian team actually did it they made the final four when they were guaranteed <laughs> a spot to do what, so All what alone. an accomplishment
0: what a fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. accomplishment just <laughs> Uh, man, that uh, is pretty funny. Uh, and but even you know, like even if it is run by the like, whatever Canadian Crown Corporation or whoever it is that runs CN, the, the tower itself, I like, guess it still feels like a bit of a troll job, you know, like fuck, like <laughs> Yeah, they knew the they tower, knew. Just tower. Yeah, yeah, they knew the tower towers over Toronto after all. You know, that shit doesn't move to Montreal every other week. So, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, to 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 light it up in, in the house colors. Pretty jokes, but also I don't know why I got so much coverage. Like, who gives a fuck? But like, you know, still pretty funny nonetheless. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move
1: on to the other round two series. Uh, because uh we're looking I guess mostly me but also you to a certain extent, looking pretty stupid about things we said earlier in the series. Um <laughs> first of all, Colorado Vegas. Let's start there. Um because you know Montreal's about to play the Golden Knights, where I said where I gave Colorado a ninety-five percent chance of uh, winning the series after their seven-one win in Game Number One. Uh, see, that's why I only do the hundred percent guarantee and I'm absolutely certain about something, such as that Ducks-Oilers Game Seven from two thousand and seventeen. I said hundred percent sure the Ducks will win, and they did. This one I was in, I was ninety-five. I, I was being conservative, and uh, the Golden Knights came through because out of nowhere, the Avalanche just they they forgot that they were cup favorites. It seemed like they just, they just totally, you know, I think it was game two through four. The golden Knights expected goal share was like around 75% or something like that. And Colorado won game two, even though they didn't deserve to then Vegas stormed back with uh four in a row. And I think the difference here uh, was missing Nazem Kadri for Colorado because because that matchup just didn't work anymore. That The Mark Stone line with Pacioretty and Chandler Stevenson uh, matched up very well against the Avalanche's stacked top line, McKinnon-Landeskog-Rantanen. Uh, and that was like... Uh, a wash at best for Colorado Uh, and Mark Stone is so good defensively that he was pretty much whoever he was playing with he was going to be able to shut them down and he deserves from the Selkie trophy and then without Kadri in the lineup uh, being really the straw that stirs the drink on that second line with whoever he's playing with probably like Burakovsky and uh, Jonas Donskoy uh, without Kadri there their second line center was either Tyson Jost or JT Comfer and they just totally lose that matchup against William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall and Riley Smith every time and that matchup just just didn't line up anymore for colorado and that's why i, I was kind of surprised that jared bednar didn't try splitting up that top line more like maybe you play mckinnon with i don't know maybe with burakovsky and don or Valerie trushkin and brandon sad something like that and then if you have like landis and rantanen um that shelters either you know jt confer or tyson jost a lot more if you play one of those centers with landis and rantanen then all of a sudden that matchup against the william carlson line is much more favorable
0: Mm -hmm, absolutely I mean yeah I I, I'm surprised they didn't make that adjustment either I mean you look at it they lost and were dominated for well they didn't lose the they didn't lose five straight but they were dominated for five straight games um and they just kind of managed to like squeak by game two to lead to nothing in the first place um but like those four last games it was like there was no question who was the better team throughout the game and yeah absolutely I think Nazem I think Kadri cost his team the fucking series um, and you know, if, if he was there and the, you know, if Colorado even just managed to squeak by game two, like they did, I think they managed to, they find a way to at least be more competitive, but probably win. like at that point when you're up to nothing, right. Um, you only need to win two more. The other team needs to win four, right? Like that's just fucking math. Um, but also mm. like, that's a very, that's a significant advantage. Right. Uh, and they just kind of really needed to hold the fort and maybe even just kind of like if they played on par with Vegas, you, like it's hockey, you can find your, you can kind of like play your way if you're about equal to two wins out of six, right? Um, or whatever the math, two wins out of five. Um, I, fuck, I don't know. Um, but two uh, five. but uh, yeah, two wins yeah, out of five. Second time you got it. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, they were just completely dominated. Like, like oh my God, that second line for Vegas, um, it wasn't even close. Um, and, you know, if I was Bednar, I would have at least tried to, like, it was just, it was complete domination at that point. Uh, and, you know, moving, moving up Jost, or Confer also, like, kind of played with, played against uh, the Avalanche's depth, too. And it was just, like, down the lineup, um, after that kind of washed matchup between the first lines, um, it was just really Vegas all the way. And even in the defensemen, you know, like, Kael McCart was good, um, but, like, Vegas's defensemen were fucking awesome. Um, you know, especially, like, Petrangelo came to play. And, and, and you know, like they have a big three to big three, like a real big three there in, in terms of their defensemen now. Now that like uh Petrangelo's really got it going in the playoffs, like him, Theodore, and and like fucking Alec Martinez of all well, people. Um but uh yeah. And and it's just like up and down the lineup and and goaltending too. Grubauer wasn't good uh near the end of the series, especially. Uh and Flurry continued to be like very good. I, like, you know, very, very solid. Uh and so yeah, it just really and the lack of adjustment is kind of shocking because it was five games in a row where you were flat out the worst team and you didn't really change anything. Uh, and yeah, for Colorado, that sucks. Um, it's not like this team was was much better than Vegas or anything, but I don't know, it really kind of felt like their year because they were looking so dominant, especially after game one, but just throughout the playoffs so far, you know, beating the Blues like they did and just looking so dominant throughout their season. Like, man, yeah. Um, really sucks for them because it really did feel like they were the odds odds on favorite there and they it kind of blew a yeah. tire especially with Kadri out
1: yeah i think it was really only like game two to four where vegas was that much better than colorado and i think it was a lot closer in game uh game five and six colorado might have even had the edge there i think in expected goals they did um but what happened for the golden knights was a very hard and fast regression to the mean in that they've had terrible puck luck um just think like last year against Vancouver in round two, the awful Canucks who were getting bailed out by Thatcher Demko constantly and almost beat the Golden Knights. And then against Dallas in round three, who was also much worse than Vegas, they were getting bad puck luck again. And it was just like, yeah, that's why they didn't make the finals, even though they they deserved to last year. And this year, it looked like the series was starting that way. In game two, you know, they dominated the Avalanche and still lost. And then things really turned around for them in game five and especially game six. They got a bunch of great bounces that ended up leading directly to goals um but as for uh there there was something else you that you said that I was going to make a comment on that uh i don't remember what it was anymore it's not the second week in a row this has happened but uh oh well anyway (laughs) um vegas matching up against montreal i mean basically it comes down to if colorado had that much of a hard time uh montreal man i don't i don't think it'll be that much better i do think though especially since Vegas has a couple injuries in the bottom six. Matthias Janmark, Thomas Nosek, I'm not sure if they're going to be back. I think the bottom six still does match up very well for Montreal against the Golden Knights, actually. Uh, but the top six, I mean, you that Mark Stone line, that can do everything. You probably want to have Dano up against them. And then you have that uh, Marshso carlson smith line probably playing mostly against Tofoli suzuki Caulfield. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly how I'm feeling about uh, that matchup because they just played mostly, I think, against the Ehlers line and they did great uh, and they looked great against the Jets. Um, but I really don't have such a great gauge of how they'll measure up against that Golden Knights second line. Oh, yeah. I remember the other thing I was going to say before. It was about Alex Petrangelo. And that he's really stepped up in the playoffs, and he's been honestly playing like a like Norris worthy. He's been a total monster again, especially in that series against Colorado. So uh, that signing appears to be paying dividends as we all kind of expected.
0: Yeah. So like, yeah, I guess we're since we've covered both series, we can just kind of slide into a bit of a projection for uh, like a preview for Habs versus Golden Knights. Um, and yeah, like I'm like you look at the matchups, and it just feels like Vegas is just a step above. Like you know, I I understand that you know Dano Gallagher and you know whoever it is, uh, they're uh, like really an elite an elite first line, um, in terms of like expected goal share at five on five, um, but like moving down the lineup, especially that second line matchup, I'm really concerned because y- yeah, to Caulfield, and. Uh, Who's the fucking third guy
1: again? Suzuki.
0: Jesus, thank Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> the fully Caulfield and Suzuki. Um, yeah, they've been playing awesome, but I don't know. I'm just like I I feel like they might get a bit blown out of the water. Um, with like just how good like car like you know freaking William Carlson with Marcia So and Smith. Like especially Marshall so like on the second line. Like I am very worried. Um, and but but that the four matchups honestly. Don't worry me nearly as much as the Vegas Golden Knights against the Habs defensemen, all right? Especially without Jeff Petrie to start game one. Um, Like, you know, I think the forward cores, they like, especially if you're taking into consideration the Habs depth and the way that their depth has been rolling, like it really doesn't concern me that much. I think they could get outplayed, but the really big point of concern for me is the Habs defensemen Um, because Vegas is a team that is very aggressive on the forecheck and they're very, very good at it. Um, and they're a big time puck possession team and they'll really hand you in your own zone. And the Habs have been relatively good, I guess, at defending in their own zone. Um, but you know, that can only take you so far. Um, and if you're in your zone all the time, no matter how good you, you are at collapsing everybody back to the net, um, you're going to get fucking scored on. Um, and like the Habs defensemen are, is, are not the type of defensemen that are able to escape an aggressive forecheck because they are slow, and they cannot skate, um, and their main feature is dump the puck off the ice, uh, dump the puck off the glass, uh, and, yeah, they're just, they're just slow-footed, and I, and I just have nightmares about, you know, fucking Mark Stone chasing Joel Edmondson with a puck, or Ben Sherratt with the puck, um, and that has some real potential to be fucking nightmarish, um, just both in terms of breaking out, uh, of their own zone, or just being, like, just not being able to break out of their own zone at all. Like let alone like, you know, like just having the puck in the first place, like Vegas just like, played keep away for most of the game. Um, and like, that is a distinct possibility, uh, wherein, yeah, the defenseman for the Habs won't be able to really match up at all with the, with the, the style that Vegas plays.
1: Yeah. thing with Montreal's defense is what they want to do is they want to, you know, be all tough and physical and, the, the thing is whereas the Jets forwards were absolutely unable to engage in that style of play that Vegas is glad to engage in that style of play you know guys like Mark Stone, uh William Carlson, Alex Tuck on the third line on every line they have at least a guy who's yeah I'll, you want to hit me sure I'll just hit you back and then score immediately um what do you what what's our over under on Mark Stone taking the puck away from Eric Gustafson uh, at the offensive blue line? What are we thinking? <laughs> Two times a series, three times a series. <laughs>
0: <laughs> two times a game, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. That's if, that's if Gustafson doesn't get, doesn't get stapled to the bench after the first game. Um, Yeah, like... I'm, sorry, I'm not even that worried about Gustafson, though, because he's been playing fine, and he's, like, you're relatively sheltered. You know what I mean? Like, it's more of yeah, other guys. Like, like, I feel like... it's Like, like I feel like the Habs lean too much on them. And, like... And when they meet their match, which they probably will, with the Vegas forwards, and, like, Mark Stone in particular, like, man, they're, they're, it's just, like... You know, Eric Gustafson will be the least of your worries in terms of concerning Habs defensemen, especially when you compare it to the ice time that they're accorded.
1: Yeah, the thing with Eric Gustafson, um, well, I mean, first of all, let's shout out that sick power play goal he scored in game four. That was pretty nice to see. Uh, The thing with Gustafson, though, no matter who they're playing against, whether it's the Golden Knights or the Buffalo Sabres, he's... In the short time we've known him, he's shown that he's very prone to just making brain fart decisions that lead to turnovers and breakaways or odd man rushes for the other team. Uh, even even if you're playing, you know, Ryan Reeves or whoever, that doesn't change the fact that Eric Gustafson might just pass it directly onto his stick. And then all of a sudden you have Mark Stone, who's an amazing defensive forward and is the best uh, at takeaways, at least the NHL by takeaways by a wide margin, I'm pretty sure, pretty often, uh, who's great at, you know, he can... Take Puck, pucks away from great defensemen. And all of a sudden, it's Eric Gustafson who might just turn it over to you anyway. Like, Eric Gustafson, I think, no matter who you're playing, there's always that worry that, oh, yeah, he just might pass it right onto their stick because he's done it, like, twice so far in these playoffs, leading to, to breakaways or two-on-ones. And, uh, I mean, there are some nice parts of his game. He, You know, that, I mean, that offensive talent. He had, like, 60 points a couple years ago. Uh, but I can understand why, uh, you know, why coaches and fans alike are like, oh man, does he really have to be out there again? I'm very worried he's going to turn the puck over.
0: Yeah, it's understandable. And uh yeah, hopefully when Petrie comes back, we'll see who who gets bumped out of the lineup, right? Um because right now probably slot, so yeah he will. He probably probably him, yeah. But you know, he slotted in for game four. He looks good uh in sheltered minutes. So you know, remains to be seen. Like I would not like, you know, if I were to choose I would bump off Gustafson, um without a second thought, um, but yeah, we'll see. Because Romanov didn't play poorly, so like you know, maybe that maybe that raises his stock, raises his stock with the uh, with the coaches. Um, so yeah, unless you have anything else, to, oh, yeah, go ahead.
1: i was just say with Romanov, I wanted to check how much time he played in game four because I didn't notice him on the ice that much. Uh, so I'm actually I'm gonna let me wind back and go check to see what his time on ice was for that game that went. A minute into overtime because I would guess I can't imagine it was more than ten minutes. It might have even been hovering around like that seven minutes that like Kulak and Gustafson were at sometimes, like like in that game six against the Leafs. Uh hmm, let me see. Uh oh wait. Uh I'll find it. I'll find it. Let's move on to Bruins Islanders, because that one was also making us both look pretty stupid for saying after game three where the Bruins won, that it felt like the turning point. Uh and I mean the Islanders then won three games in a row and the bruins are eliminated now so there we look kind of idiotic
0: <laughs> wait first first before we move to this series you want to make a prediction uh for the habs vegas
1: uh yeah i've i've predicted against the habs every time and it's worked so far so i'm going to go with uh, vegas yeah. in 5
0: okay yeah i'll go with vegas in 6 um i think you know i think the habs have a prayer because they've been playing well um but maybe not much more than that um and because the, the knights are rolling too, right? They just fucking dominated the, the avalanche for five straight games. Um and yep. if you can do that to the avalanche, God knows what they'll do to the Habs. Okay. Okay, so yeah, now now we can go to the Bruins in the Isles. Uh and yeah, made us look it's pretty hard. dumb there. But also But uh, also yeah, Wait. Ahead.
1: Romanov uh played nine minutes twenty seven seconds in game four, uh which was the fewest on the entire team, including forwards.
0: All right, so in that case, we can expect him stapled to the press box. Game one, or not game one, but whenever Petrie comes back. Uh, all right, yeah. So Bruins and Isles, man, what a what a fucking weird series, eh? Um, yeah. Like, well, it's just the Islanders. That's what it is. It's the fucking Islanders. They find weird, annoying ways to win. They're so annoying, boring as hell. They they are they are the worst team. Like you know, just looking at them, like they're just get outplayed. They got outplayed analytically. Um, and somehow they find ways to win. They, the officiating is apparently on their side, especially if you ask Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. um, New York Saints. And yeah, it's just the fucking Islanders. Like, I can't believe it. Honestly, I really was convinced, especially after, you know, game three, that the Bruins had this in the bag. But like, I don't know. The Islanders, like, I don't know, slipped to 20. Uh, under the rest nose, and and then that was it? Like, I I don't fucking know, man. I can't even explain it. Ugh, this, this PDO you know, bender.
1: Because everyone's saying the exact same things about the Islanders they've said for the past three years, uh, yep. which, by the way, is the exactly when Lamorello and, more importantly, Barry Trots showed up. And that was also right when John Tavares left, and they they immediately forced this new identity of, oh, yeah, no one believes in us. And, I mean, they're, they're right. No one believes in them, even, like, still. Uh... And I would be less bothered by this if it didn't happen every single year. Like, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, yeah. like, like the first 2019, they swept the Penguins in round one. <laughs> then they lost in round two. But that was still pretty weird. Like this Islanders team that's not great on paper, but plays a, a you know, a, a, a very structured defensive style that Barry Trotz employs very well because he's the best coach in the world. Then next year in the bubble, they beat Florida in the, the play in. And then they make it to the conference finals where they choke the life out of the Lightning but still don't quite win. Uh, and this year, the exact same thing happened again. They beat the Penguins. They beat the Bruins. And now, once again, they're playing the Lightning in round three. And I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of a team. I, I don't care. You know, I know Barry Trotz is a great coach. They got a bunch of players who are who are, who are clutch or whatever. They, you know, they score, they get a lot of empty net goals. They have uh, some great defensemen. Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick are really two of the best in the NHL. Uh, and, you know, Barry Trotz and the players did a lot of buy-in. Okay, great. You know, they deserve to make it this far. It just annoys me. And I think I've realized why it annoys me. And it's that Lou Morello is getting way more credit than he deserves for this. Basically, what he did is brought in Barry Trotz. And at that point, when Barry Trotz left the Capitals, the Islanders were the only coaching availability uh, in the entire league because it was pretty late in the summer, I think. So it was basically like, all right, Barry, do you want to not coach the NHL this year or do you want to come coach the Islanders? He was like, I guess I'll come coach the Islanders. And now every time like, oh, yeah, Lou, he he seduced Barry Trotz or whatever, and he built this (laughs) great culture of winning. By by paying Leo Komarov three million dollars. And there are so many bad contracts that Lou lamaral has signed, but Barry Trotts, no matter what he's he's given, he's able to, you know, win playoff rounds with this team and make, now make round three for two years in a row. And it's just it's just it's just very annoying. And unlike last year, this year, I kind of have this a little bit of a feeling that the Islanders, it actually feels like they've they're at their best offensively now. I think they actually are leading the playoffs in goals scored. Somehow. I know they have a bunch of empty netters in there too, but like still, you know, all four lines, well, maybe not the fourth line, but at least three of their lines are producing very well. And Adam Pellick is such an amazing shutdown defenseman that I feel like they have a better shot against the lightning this year than they did last year.
0: Yeah, I think they're, they're a better team. I just still don't think they're the better team. Uh And frankly, well, this series, they were not really... They weren't the better team against Pittsburgh either. It was just Tristan Jerry show over there. Uh, and, yeah, like, are they better than last year? Sure. But they still kind of suck on fucking paper, don't they? Um, like, this is a team... Yeah, you talk about, like, Lou has not built this team, like, uh, well. Um, Barry Trotz just takes whatever nonsense he has and turns it into something crazy. Like, fucking Leo Kamara's playing on the first line right now. How asinine is that? That's completely fucking insane. Uh, and like, yeah, it's just, it's just completely baffling. And look, yeah, it's, they're, they're boring to watch. Yeah. They score goals, but like, man, they're not particularly fast at all. Like, and they don't really set up any, like, they don't really dominate offensively whatsoever. They just like, you know, they find ways to win by like, what the counter-attack, I guess like, yeah, they, they're pretty good at the rush, but like, man, it's not a very exciting offensively dominant team. Uh, and yeah, it's just, I don't like the Islanders and I am also sick of seeing the Islanders in the playoffs, getting success, having success. Um, it just feels wrong. Doesn't it feel wrong? It feels wrong. Yeah. You look at this team and it you're does. like, this shit shouldn't fly. This team fucking yeah, balls. Yeah, it's just
1: blue and orange. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah,
0: get, the, get the hell out of here. Uh, you're being the Bruins? Yeah, sh- the Penguins? Yeah. Pajon's over um, a point
1: a game in the playoffs. Excuse me.
0: It's, I saw just, it's a, just dumb. Yeah.
1: I saw a funny tweet from like I think it was a Sens fan. It might have been Bonk Smullet. I'm not sure who, but it was like, oh, it would be so great if Carey Price just absolutely stonewalled the Golden Knights, uh, only to get you know lit up by Jean Gabriel Pajo again in the Stanley Cup Final." As the prophecy foretold.
0: I was just I was just thinking that like right before we recorded, like man, what if they managed to find a way? To beat the Golden Knights, but then fucking so they beat the Golden Knights, they beat the Maple Leafs, and like okay, they beat the Jets, um, but then they lose to the fucking Islanders. Like, how upset would I be? Like, they make it to the Cup final for the first time. In my so life, let me tell you, all right, and they lose to the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so yeah, funny I, and so sad. If the
1: Canadians, if the Canadians, I was just I was saying at the beginning of the episode, I'm uh more certain than ever going into this series. This one, I'm most certain they're gonna lose. Uh, if yeah, they do miraculously fair. beat the Golden Knights and play the Islanders, I will be even more convinced that they would lose against the Islanders <laughs> than I am now against the Golden Knights, because it's the New York Islanders and really it's it's the Montreal. Can- and you could say the same thing from the Islanders' <laughs> side of things. But wow, really, we just beat the Penguins, Bruins, and Lightning, and we're not <laughs> going to blow it against Montreal. Come on, absolutely no way. Uh, oh, so I just yeah, but I just want to I just want to have
0: Isles final. I just want a Habs out oh, final, for the love of oh, God.
1: Oh, no one else wants that, I assure you. <laughs> no one else in the entire world wants that. Um, I saw this uh, great... How interesting
0: saw... would that be? All right. Yeah. I
1: saw another tweet that was something like, uh, I don't know what a fan, they were a team that we're a fan of, but it wasn't any of the final four teams. You know, something like, uh, all right, what do we have? Uh we have uh we have um they, we have the expansion team. This made the conference finals three times in four years. That's basically Goliath already. We have the team that's eighteen million dollars over the cap. And we have uh there was some other funny qualifier about the Islanders and how it's like really I'm gonna cheer for the Islanders and then the Canadians. And really for for uh uh and what's the what's the word I'm looking for? A uh a non biased there's another word for it, where you're not cheering for any of the teams. An objective viewer. There's really slim pickings here if you're trying to bandwagon off someone. I can imagine why none of these four teams are really that appealing to you.
0: <laughs> no, none of them at all. Oh my god. Because like, either, the halves the either isles the heavy f- might be the... Yeah?
1: You're either like the heavy favorite, and who wants to bandwagon the heavy favorite? Or you're super boring. That's pretty much the yes. two options you have here. <laughs>
0: and two very unlikable franchises too like let's not let's not kid ourselves like yeah <laughs> abs are very unlikable if you're not in Montreal and the Islanders are just generally unlikable uh and yeah I'm not sure for the
1: team with that's not a lot of facial hair are you kidding me <laughs> no thank you
0: was a fucking fossil as a general manager like yeah come on now um and so that's inevitably what they're gonna get right like just because <laughs> why the hell it's hockey um yeah, Oof. like, really, like, out of, like, if you're an objective, from an objective perspective, you really want Vegas versus Tampa, right? Like, that fucking rocks for sure. as, a, as a Stanley for Cup sure. final. And that's why we're definitely getting Has versus Islanders. Like, it's just, not a doubt <laughs> in my mind now. Um, like, the world's most boring hockey series as your cup final. Would, would, would anything make any more sense for hockey? Um, and, yeah, something I didn't mention before, I thought about it. Like, what the fuck? What the hell? Vegas already made, like what is this expansion team bullshit from Vegas? Like it's fucking insane, man. Uh, Any team
1: making the conference finals three times in four years is a ridiculous stretch of success. I think like Pittsburgh, maybe I think Tampa did it pretty recently, but the fact that Vegas is able to do it in their first four years and it's, it's just for any team to have done it. It's very impressive. And now of course Vegas did it. And not only that, they could have very easily gone four for four in round three. Uh, if not for that incredibly, you know, that blown lead against the San Jose sharks in 2019 uh, in that game seven, that I'm sure you remember because then in the next round, it would have been the avalanche who would like the eight seed that la- uh that year and Vegas would have been heavily favored. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's impressive. It's a very impressive start to their existence for, uh, for Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think they're going to, I think it'll be a Vegas Tampa final. I think Tampa's going to be uh, the Islanders again. I think, I think I'm thinking like Vegas and five, Tampa and seven, and we get a Vegas Tampa final. There. That's my bold oh, prediction.
0: Crazy. What a what a fucking hot take. This guy's thinking out of the box over here. Um <laughs> Well, we didn't see any also we didn't see any game game sevens this round, which sucked. Which fucking sucked. Yeah, it did um, suck. Yeah, like, you know, especially especially like Kane's Lightning or you know, with only one five, um and like Colorado, Vegas, like man, game seven would have been fucking lit. Um, but mm-hmm. uh alas, it wasn't meant to be. Um oh on the Bruin side of things, since we haven't really talked about them, um yeah, so Tuka Rask was injured apparently, uh very injured apparently, and now he's out until fucking January with a torn was it a labrum? January? I think that's a shoulder thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out until I did not see January. That. Yep. Um and so he requires surgery. And you gotta think, because he was not good near the end of that series. Um, from from downright mediocre to bad. Um, and even then, you know, like, you'd like your goalie to have some sort of... to give you the saves when you need them. And he did not do that and was perhaps even worse than that. Um, he, he, but, um, so yeah, you got to wonder, like, what the hell are you doing? But Bo- Boston, what the fuck? <laughs> Honestly, like, man, I don't understand that. Like, especially if it's a serious injury like that. Like, A, you don't want to risk the player's health. But B, like you cannot possibly convince me that like, especially with the, they had three starting caliber goalies, like maybe like Kalak's very borderline, but he's an elite two and backup. a half. Uh, okay. Two and a half. Sure. Um, And Swayman proved to be like solid, very solid. Um, You cannot convince me that going with Tuka Rask for the entire series. Well, except for one game where Swayman started because he was injured. Like you can't convince me that going back to Rask was the right idea there. Like, come on he was bad and he was injured and swayman's fine he's a good goaltender like this season he was anyways i don't know about the future but he looked perfectly capable for a team that was like on paper better than the islanders and like you really didn't give yourself the best chance to win um and when it comes down to it and what the hell's the point of that having a tandem you know having even halak there like or swayman um, or you know, fucking Dan Vladar. Who, who the hell cares? You know, like Rask is completely injured. Like he's completely shot. Like yeah. what are you doing? Put him in the game. It makes no sense. Uh, and it really cost them because you know, like their their depth their depth forwards weren't very good either. But like what really stands out in terms of decisions they made that really kind of hindered them. That goaltending sticks out like a sore thumb because not that he was just injured, but he played very poorly, and they had the people behind him to replace him.
1: Yeah. Rask started game five. And then I think Swayman came in like for the third period. And that was like the one bit of playing action he saw in the playoffs. And then they put Rask back in for game six and it's, it's pretty stupid, but what I feel like what happened here is this mentality. Oh yeah. We got We got to go with, uh, with, you know, our guy, our number one who brought us in. He's like, put me in coach. I'm going to power through and persevere through my dangerous injury. Superseded the fact that you are Worsening your chance of winning because Tuka Rask was very, very far from 100%. And I didn't realize he was uh, going to be out till January now. It's very interesting because he's a UFA. So it's like, uh, who is going to sign a starting goalie uh, that's not going to be available until January? Does Boston bring it back? I think that's probably the most likely thing. You say, all right, let's make Jeremy Swayman our starter for the first couple months of the season. And if it really doesn't work, well, then Rask is going to be back soon anyway. And if it does, great. We have two starting goalies. But I don't really see any other team going like, all right, because if we're signing Tuka Rask, it'll probably be, first of all, longer than just a year, even though he's 34 already. A, we need a starting goalie, like right now, if we're signing Tuka Rask. And B, we won't have one till January if we're signing Tuka Rask. So it's very interesting to see what kind of team would be in a position where signing Tuka Rask makes sense for them.
0: Yeah, no, it, I don't, I don't see one. Uh, and I think, and like even Tuca said, right. I want to be back. You know, he said, he mentioned how, his, you know, what I think it was three kids are all in school in Boston. And it seems like he is willing to potentially take a discount um, just to stay in Boston. It really seems like that's the case. And like fit wise. Yeah. Like there really isn't any other fit if you're committing like multi-years and this guy's out for the first couple months of the first season. Um, it doesn't make sense for any other team. Doesn't make sense for him to go anywhere else because I don't think the money or the term is there, especially given his age. So I think he'll take a discount in Boston. That really seems like unless the negotiations sour, it seems that he wants to go back to Boston. And um he wants or yeah, he wants to stay. Um and like sure, good for him. He's made a shit ton of money. And yeah, you know, you know the fans love him there. Um, I roll. Um, but uh mm-hmm. yeah, so but it just like that the whole mentality of like oh he's our guy like it doesn't make sense like oh my god it's so stupid um and you know maybe Swayman would have been fucking awesome if he had given been given some extended playing time um and now we'll not know and like it's completely like batshit crazy I think that you're like do I go with the guy who has a fucking torn shoulder. Or do I go with my purposely capable? Yeah, exactly. Um, and they pick the guy with a broken shoulder. <laughs> oh my God, how stupid is that? How stupid is that objectively? Like, all right, you need someone to do a job. Do you take the guy with no shoulder, or do you take the guy with a healthy shoulder? and they went with a guy with like like come on you can't justify that decision it makes no sense and it, the results panned out as such um you know moving forward, and, yeah, and like it's not just rest that makes for an interesting off season for the bruins you know they have a whole bunch of dudes um who are leaving uh and like or like their contracts are up not necessarily leaving you know like Krejci needs a new contract taylor hall is taylor the, hall. the name of note right um, but like, that's not it. That's not all right. Like, uh, let's see, like their defense, a bunch of their defensemen are leaving Perhaps like Mike Riley was a rental all along, but like, and, and their defense sucked anyways, especially in the, like, you know, past that first pairing. Um, So it'll be interesting. What I like, it seems that Hall, like from the uh, interview, interview or press conference he gave, like he prioritizes fit over money. So like potentially, we're looking at like if Krayzie wants to come back for a discount, like that could be a very nice piece of work there. Very easy, nice piece of work. If you're like you know you're you're nice, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, But and and if you get if you get them at discounts, that's great because I think this team really needs to build back its depth. Um, They need to invest, you know, like. Like try to try to do the, you know, the thing where you find undervalued guys and spend some money on them and really like take a hard look at doing that because their depth storing let them let them down all year. And it did that again in the playoffs and their defensemen weren't good all year and it let them down again in the playoffs, like the bottom four. And so, you know, yeah, they outplayed the Islanders, but in the end, you know, they didn't, they they definitely could have been better. Um, And so, you know, very interesting offseason there. And well, I like if I was Boston, I would really look at that depth um, because it wasn't good all season. It was a big liability for them.
1: Yeah. As for um the Tampa Carolina series, I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. But one funny thing was Dougie Hamilton after the fact, who's also pending UFA was like, yeah, uh, we lost a team. That's $18 million over the cap, uh, which, you know, on one hand he's out. He's correct about that. Uh, and he's probably implying that uh, some, the loopholes should be closed or whatever. Um, the thing with with people talking about or comparing the Hurricanes to the Lightning, and they were saying something that I was like, that I didn't really agree with, which was, oh, the Hurricanes, yeah, they're a good team. They ran into the Lightning, and you know you can't fault them for running into that insane powerhouse. And then I was thinking like, well, well, why don't you just become as good as them? Like, if, you, if the best team in the NHL is what you want to be, then you can't use it as an excuse like, oh, the other team was better than us. Really? Like, that's the best excuse you can come up with? Like, get better. And then I kept thinking like, <laughs> um I, I do think Carolina, because you know they're in a great position for the future, they have a very young core, Aho, Svechnikov, uh, Martin Hash, uh, and a bunch of great prospects in the pipeline. The the past two drafts, they were like at the top of everyone's list for a while. They knocked it out of the park in this draft. And now they have uh who appears to be a great long-term starting goalie in Alex Nadelchkovic. And I'm pretty confident that the way the Hurricanes have been drafting and will probably continue to draft that those, you know, Kucherov, Braden Point-type gems that the Lightning found outside of the first round that are, like, your best two players, I think the Hurricanes are going to... They're going to find those types of players. And honestly, with guys like Noel Goonler, maybe they have already found those types of players. Seth Jarvis will probably jump into the lineup next year. I think that the Hurricanes have set themselves up up very well to grow into a team that could potentially reach the Lightning's caliber in the next couple years.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um I thought that this would be the year where they made that jump, which is why I had them in the final, but I think it's only a matter of time. Uh, and it's a bit concerning that they keep losing like this, like like very convincingly whenever they face like a very good team in the playoffs. Um but, you know, it's just I think at one point if you just keep amassing talent uh and it seems like that's what the Hurricanes are doing, you know, they have an excellent forward core and their defense is, you know, ridiculously good. Um like eventually it'll You'll win out. Like the talent will win out. I think, unless you're Toronto. Um, so you know, I'm not. I'm not too concerned there. Um, it was a bit. The, like, talking about the series real quick, I thought it was a bit puzzling going to Mrazic. I understood they won one game with him, but then he was fucking bad the next one. And it's not like the Dostoevich was bad. He was fine. It's just, like, they couldn't get their offense going the first couple games. And, like, he made one bad mistake, if I recall correctly. Um, that kind of cost him a goal. But uh, aside from that, it's, like, I don't think it was his fault that they lost. Um, and so going to Mrazic was kind of weird. Um, but, you know, aside from that, like, yeah, absolutely. they're They're well-built for the future and i will probably keep picking them in my brackets consistently for unless i think goes like bad uh i will keep doing it because i believe yeah i think this team is ready for the next step like fucked. I mean, fuck they're were, they were the best team in the in the division this year even if you know tampa didn't have kucherov all year um they still managed to be you know first in the division so and especially you know like it sounds like brindamore's coming back um he's an excellent coach from mm-hmm. fr- from what i've seen so uh yeah, I think this this team is built for the future and they've got a very savvy player management department, player acquisition department, I don't know, front office, I guess is the word. Um, so yeah, that's I'm not too concerned yeah. about the game.
1: Speaking of Rod Brindamore, uh, he's now a finalist for the Jack Adams, uh, along Oof, with Joel Quenville transition. and Dean Everson. Yeah, honestly, it was so good that I wasn't even going to acknowledge it, um, but <laughs> then you went ahead and did it anyway. Uh, so yeah, those was the Jack Adams finalist. I think Brindamore's probably the front runner. Quendrell did a great job too. Um, Jay Fresh pointed out something funny about Dean Everson, which is that a lot of times coaches who are nominated for the Jack Adams can thank their goalie, but Dean Everson can probably thank, uh, instead of his current goalies who were like maybe a little above average, Devin Dubnik and Alex Stalock we were so terrible over the wild last year. They're now getting average goaltending. And all of a sudden, they're a team that was convincingly in the playoffs. It's like, wow, way to go, Dean Everson. It's like, actually, we just got like, okay, goaltending. And it made the world of a difference. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think he's like undeserving of of uh, of the of being a finalist. I just think Windermore is probably the shoe in.
0: Yeah, I, uh, there's not much to say about this. I mean, we know what this award is, right? It's the, uh, oh, shit, you did better than we thought we, we would, you know? Um, And it's, like, blatantly obvious if you look at the other, like, if you look at, especially with Everson and Quenville. Uh, you know, like, sure, Quenville's a great reputation, but also Florida was fucking, they fucking rocked this year. Uh, and mm-hmm. nobody thought they would. And the Wild did, too. So, and, and you know, the Canes, they always, they always throw in, like, you know, a team that did very well, that was kind of expected to do well, but then, like, you know, pushed it to another level. I've got kind of a surprise that wasn't, you know, Bednar, um, but whatever. Um, but like Brindamore was always like the name that was like popular in circles, I guess. So like, sure. Yeah. Go for it. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm not surprised at all with uh, these three. And uh, sure. Brindamore probably seems like the guy who's going to win it.
1: Mm-hmm. I did like some of the, you know, not really making headlines like the Hart finalists, McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, not... No surprise at all there. McDavidson winning in a landslide. The Selkie Trophy, uh, Mark Stone, Patrice Bergeron, and Alexander Barkov. Wow, I can't imagine any of those players ever getting nominated <laughs> for the Selkie Trophy. Patrice Bergeron, I heard today, uh, is second all-time in consecutive years getting nominated for any specific major award. He's been nominated for the Selkie 10 years in a row. And I think <laughs> he's only he's not only behind Gretzky who was up for the who was up for the heart trophy I'm not sure exactly how many years in a row but it was more than 10 Wayne Gretzky uh, which is pretty funny Mark Stone probably deserves the award and I think you know he has that uh, anti-winger bias for the Selkie trophy Um, but I think it might go to Barkov because I people I feel like people are looking at this and like yeah it really all came together for him this year and for his team that made the playoffs and I think that might make the difference in a lot of voters minds and will give Barkov the Selkie.
0: Yeah, that Bergeron thing is truly, truly a spectacular stat. Yeah, <laughs> for an award that like is very, very like not well defined. Um, so yeah, they just well, like the the Bergeron. Is, um, yeah.
1: The thing with the Selkie is that it is very well defined. It's just everyone ignores the definition. The definition <laughs> is best defensive forward, and by that metric, like Zachass and Reese should probably get a ton of votes. But instead, everyone. Uh, interprets it as a best two way forward and that's also probably why Philip Danot doesn't get that much love for it either and Joel eriksson Eck uh, is that these three guys were nominated for it are all great offensively too so so they got the nod.
0: Exactly. Um so yeah, man. Uh and Barkov's got the whole like he hasn't won yet, right? So he's got the oh he's been on our mind recently, but he hasn't got we didn't give him the win because it wasn't his turn and he's now it's dude. his turn. Yeah, exactly. He worked for it. He paid his dues. Um Yeah, I don't fucking know, man. The is a fucking whack award. All you need to All you need to all you need to know about it is that Patrice Bergeron has been nominated for 10 years and then, you know, you're like, "Oh, okay. All right, fair enough." Yeah. Uh, just give it to whoever we want. Um The NHL yeah.
1: awards are such a clown show. Oh, man. Anyway, and then we will argue about it every year as like trying to and just everyone who argues about this award or about any NHL awards is they're not arguing who deserves this person deserves it. And here's why they're arguing, Hmm, what are the voters going to think? And how can we yeah. predict based on like, who's been nominated recently and who has a good reputation and like, what are people, what's the word on the street? That's really how these awards that's work. Fair. Excellent uh-huh. and point. I think that's never more apparent than with this year's one specifically Norris trophy nomination. Uh We got Adam Fox, Kilmacar and Victor Hedman. Uh, Who (laughs) was, this was the worst year of Victor Hedman's career, maybe ever, at least since like his rookie season, maybe he was bad. He um, didn't, he wasn't up against the, uh, the most difficult competition. A lot of that actually went to like McDonough and Sergeyev. And the Lightning were better with him off the ice, which is just a a total stray from what Victor Hedman had been pretty much exclusively throughout the rest of his career. It's probably because he was playing injured for most of it. He even said, he was like, yeah, I haven't been good this year at all. Uh, And, you know, the voters were like, I mean, yeah, but he was really good for a lot of years before this. So we'll just make him one of the top three defensemen for the Norris Trophy this year. Uh, There are so many defensemen who deserved this nod ahead of him. Uh, Adam Fox or Kill McCarr, either one of them. I wouldn't be too upset with either winner, but like guys like Charlie McAvoy, Dougie Hamilton, uh, either one of those probably, I think should have gotten the, the number three spot, but honestly, even like, you know, a Petrangelo would maybe deserve better. How about Jeff Petrie? Everyone was talking about that at the start of the year. I uh, no, I knew Jeff Petrie wasn't going to get nominated or probably won't even get any votes. Um, but man, it's just like if Victor Hedman actually did win this trophy they need to like revolutionize the way they do the award voting because it's clear that it just it didn't work because i know there's the argument that like oh yeah we want to be able to look back on like these uh, award winners and have it be like uh a good representation of like the era and so when you just have like oh someone has like a, a random good year uh you don't, don't necessarily want to be like oh i'll give them the award for it and i disagree if you want to have like an era award every five years, have an award for who is the best defense for the past five years. And give that one to Victor Hedman. He would totally deserve it. But not this year. He wasn't good this year, and this award's just for this year.
0: Absolutely. Um and yeah, it just feels like uh lazy, doesn't it? Like Lazy, yeah. Um by the by the voters, like Ah. Who did I really watch all the games? No. So who do I know is very good? Victor Hedman. Alright, let's just throw in his name in there. Um, and it's all like hive mind shit, you know, like well everybody else is gonna put his name on it, so I can't hurt if I put it. Um, <laughs> um and yeah, it's a complete it's a complete farce. Um and uh farce. Yeah. It's a farce. And so we'll see. Uh I I think Fox is gonna win. I think that's the word on the street. And <laughs> uh oh yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprised it wouldn't be surprising if heaven won and it would just make it that much funnier and just how it just, just goes really to show hilarious. like it's just a reputation award at this point if, if he wins it. Um, and even if he doesn't, just the nomination just goes to show how reputation-based it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about Jack Eichel because that story's kind of moved along a, bit, a little bit. Elliot Friedman apparently said on the radio, I don't think the Sabres want to bring back Jack Eichel. I think they want to move on. And we were talking about this a little bit like right before we started recording, that it's kind of... It, it feels... Well, someone had use the you can't fire me, I quit analogy, and I think that suits it very well. But we, we were saying like, oh, it's like, you know, if someone like is about to break up with you, so you break up with them first. So you can be like, oh yeah, I dumped them when really the only reason you did it is because, you know, that they were dumping you. The reason the Sabres don't want Jack Eichel anymore, the only reason is because Jack Eichel doesn't want to play for them anymore. So now they're framing it like, oh yeah, I know. Oh yeah, this is us. This is us. Yeah, we're dumping him. It's totally not the other way around. And Elliot Freeman also, I think, Uh, said he expects the trade to happen by the draft, which is I think July 23rd is uh round one. So, big summer blockbuster, pretty much guaranteed upcoming involving Jack Eichel.
0: Truly, truly a remarkably terrible run franchise. Um, yeah, man, Buffalo Strikes again. Like, even then, like, okay, yeah, you want to get ahead of it, like, I'll break up with you before you break up with me, but uh, I still think that this is a bad move asset value perspective, you know, like from an asset yes, value yes. perspective, like, like you're just declaring that you want to trade him. So now teams know that you were going to trade him. You want to trade him. You have no interest whatsoever in retaining him. They know there's you're, you're playing with a deadline that you've kind of shot out there. Like, oh, okay, we're going to trade him by the draft or whatever. And like, that's only like lowering your return. Like I'm sure they'll get plenty of stuff for Jack Eichel. Cause he's fantastic. But like, you're only shooting yourself in the foot with this all to just kind of like, I don't know, keep your ego afloat, like, oh my god, what a completely fucked up franchise. Um, And they don't know how to run this thing, and they're going to fucking blow this trade too, and, well, maybe they won't, maybe some team will cough up a lot, but, uh, you know, it just feels like every move they make, like, even if they do do the right thing, it's just like, you know, they kind of lucked into it, or some team kind of folded on them. Um, It really doesn't seem like they're actively making any smart decisions ever. And in fact, it seems like they're just intent on making actively stupid decisions. Uh, and this seems mm-hmm. to be one of them. I really, there is, there, there's no good that comes from this. There is no good from declaring other than like, okay, all right. It's not, it's, 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 it's we're, we're, we're ending it with him. Um, it's just, oh my God. They really, what, how are you, how does a franchise for so long not know what it's doing? I guess it starts with the ownership, but like, you know, all the different front offices. It's like, Why? why it's so stupid if you thought about it for more than five seconds you'd realize it's stupid um and yeah so as i said just shooting yourself in the foot here some pure stupidity yeah there's
1: really no benefit at all to proclaiming we're trying to trade jack eichel almost pretty much for any player there's no benefit to saying yeah we're trying to trade him because then the teams know you're a little more desperate or that even just that you don't value him as highly uh when you're like oh yeah we're trying to get rid of him uh so yeah uh idiotic you know, stuff coming out of Buffalo. What else is new? Um, Before we get to the trivia this week, I want to circle back to something I forgot to mention in terms of the Colorado Vegas series, Uh, because Colorado, you know, they were, they were such a favorite and they lost and everyone's trying to figure out why they lost. Right. You know, well maybe, and I think, you know, you know who you might've, I mean, he's just, he's just maybe thinking out loud as far as in your shoes right now. Um, But maybe they're just like, you know, thinking too hard. Everyone uh, who doesn't know what I'm referencing, Adrian Dater asked Nathan McKinnon, uh, Nate, I've got the entire quote written out here. I'm going to do my best impression, uh, even though you've probably seen the video. It was hilarious. I reckon P. Blackburn uh, tweeted it, and I think it's got like almost a million views right now on Twitter. So go check it out if you haven't seen it yet. But basically, Nathan McKinnon is, you know, upset after just having lost in the playoffs. And Adrian Dater, the supporter, he's like, oh, Nate, you know, I know you're a gamer and and all this. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking maybe out loud as far as in your shoes right now. It's like, all right, we've done all the thinking we can do. We've done all the game planning we can do. Maybe maybe you know just fuck it and just go in next year and just not think anymore and just win this thing when we don't think so much. Is that uh am I on the right path at all with this? Like maybe you guys just, just think a little too no wait I'm sorry, he says maybe you just guys think a little too much. <laughs> that's how that's how it ends. The last it ends. Maybe you just guys think a little too much, and then Nathan mckinnon just paused for like five seconds and said, "No, next." And I I love why well, there's um I love that that it ends with maybe you just guys think a little too much because I mean he really is taking his own advice. He's being like maybe you should think as little as I do in crafting this statement. Basically so what he was what he was trying to say and what he could have asked was is part of your problem that you're overthinking things, gripping the stick a little bit too tight, and then and then it would have been no one would have made anything of it. But he just goes on and on saying things like, Oh yeah, I know you're a gamer, and I'm just thinking out loud in your shoes and all these ridiculous things And then he and then he like he really loads up that one swear word that he knew he was going to say probably well in advance. He was like <laughs> Fuck it, and it was it was just a a total comedy all around. At first, I was like, "Is this like superimposed? Is this a joke?" Because, and he like he pronounces any more like a more like he slurred his words together a bit. And he said afterward that he hadn't been drinking, and I hadn't even been thinking that. But anyway, it was uh, it was just he was totally talking himself in circles. He came out with maybe you should think less, like as little as I do. And then at the end, he kind of appeared to realize that what he said made no sense. So he kind of tried to cover his bases by being like, or maybe everything I said is because he ended with like, I don't think, you know, he ended with like, am I on the right path here at all? Uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he said, is it? he said, am I on the right path at all with this? I feel like that was him being like, hmm, maybe what I said just makes absolutely no sense. So I should be like, oh, or is everything I just said totally idiotic because that's also <laughs> an option.
0: Just truly a work of art. Well, like, a spectacular work. Like, speaking of people who, you know, we talked about Shifley practicing his uh, DOPS line, like, in the mirror. Like, did this guy practice this in the mirror? Like, maybe just fuck it.
1: <laughs> no, no, he was just thinking off the top of his head here, as he said. He said, I'm, I'm just thinking maybe out loud as far as your shoes right now. As far as in <laughs> your shoes right now. <laughs>
0: Like, man, this guy really went out of his way to put it in the, this this phrase, this question in the least eloquent way possible. <laughs> like, just bo- both in the words, but also in the delivery. Like, man, I don't know. <laughs> and then the way he fucking went on Twitter afterwards and then defended himself as if yeah, yeah. as if it oh, was anything to defend.
1: My favorite thing, what he, one thing he saw on Twitter, because at first he was going back at P. Blackburn who was making fun of him and he was getting ratioed really hard. But then afterward, I think he ended up, he said something that was like, oh, I under, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to try to find it because it was really funny and I want to, to read it as it was. Um, basically what he said, cause I can't find it right now, uh, was, uh, yeah, people are kind of misunderstanding what I was trying to say. Basically what I was trying to say was, and then he just quoted himself and said like exactly the thing he said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, wow what an idiot um yeah just just a wonderful moment that comes out of that and uh yeah i think you said when you you sent it to me but you, you texted me the link for this and like you phrased it as what the worst interview question of all time uh, yeah. or something like that like yeah that that's it might honestly be the worst interview moment i've seen uh in recent memories <laughs> at least off the top of my head uh um because holy crap um i i don't know if i've ever seen anyone embarrass themselves so much like asking a question um just
1: oh oh, wait wait wait. okay i I found something i was looking through adrian Dater's twitter looking for the defense i didn't find it but i found uh an account called avaholics underscore you avaholics unanimous uh which is a little bit clever but anyway it tweeted uh well, the only thing that made any of us laugh the last four games was probably at a Dater's question to McKinnon in post-game. So thank you, Dater, for putting a smile on our faces. And it was a good question, just a little jumbled. Haters gonna hate. And then Adrian Dater responded, uh, thanks, question mark. And then and then quoted it with, I mangled the question big time. There's a reason I'm a writer and not a broadcaster. <laughs>
0: Justin, isn't a writer supposed to be good with words in the first place? Like, Probably. Okay, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking all out loud here. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't t-
1: I say maybe you just guys think a little too much.
0: <laughs> wow. Just spectacular. A spectacular flame out, uh, much like the avalanche. And uh, yeah, that's. Shout out to Adrian Dater for being such a dumbass. Um, and. uh, <laughs> Yeah, truly the highlight of the honestly highlight of the day right there. Just, wow. perfect. All right. Um, so, unless you have anything trivia. else to say, it is time trivia for time. some trivia. And uh, this time around, I decided to go uh, straight up from the uh, plagiarism route, uh, and uh, I stole something for Puck Soup, and I stole their game ah. that is oh, that's named fun. name name Pat Faloon. Um, so, if you don't know out there, um, the concept of the game and I altered it a bit um, is basically there are a number of I don't know, characteristics I guess of a player, like age, height, whatever and I give them to Alex and I give a number depending on how many he thinks he can use to uh, guess the player and he's supposed to guess the player based on those uh, characteristics. Did I explain that? Well, probably not very, um, but uh it I is, think once it's a we get hard going. game to
1: explain, but I think I think people catch on pretty fast once we start playing. My only question yeah, exactly. is, don't we need yep. two people to play against each other? So I'm not sure exactly how okay. this is going to work. All right,
0: so here's here's how I here's how I thought this out. All right, um, so basically, right, I can I can score a certain number of points based on you know how many clues that you ask for. Like for example, there are seven possible clues. Um, I give you a few off the top to you know give you a taste for free. And then you, based on that information, you tell me like, okay, how many clues do I want? And the more clues you ask for, the less points you get. And then we say, say that we have like five rounds and then we set a points threshold. And if you get the answer wrong, you just, you get a zero for that round, you know?
1: Yeah. Got it. All right. Okay. This will be fun. This will be fun. Let's start. How many players?
0: All right. Okay. So uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're doing, we do five rounds. All right. Um, there, there's no, okay. So usually they, for on puck soup, they'll do like different categories. What I did is that I just went ahead and took all the rosters from the eight teams that just played in the second round. And so that's your player pool. All right. It can be any player that played, has played so far in the playoffs for the eight teams that played in the second round. Um, Okay. I thought this was going to be like
1: all time players or something. Um, Or, like, okay, so no, no, we had to narrow it down. I got this, I got this, we got this. All All right, right. easy walk in the park, okay, Okay, piece of cake, piece (laughs) of pie,
0: easy as as dessert. So, um, (laughs) okay, so, uh, so I'll give you for like at the beginning to to introduce the player, um, I'll give you his age, his height, the regular season, number of regular season games he's played, and his draft team. All right, that's what you get off the top, um, and Alright, and so now now and then there are seven other characteristics that you can ask for. So if you ask for one clue, you'll just get their junior team. Um, You ask for a second clue, I'll add the nationality. A third, I'll give you their birth city. Fourth, I'll give you their position. Fifth, I'll give you their draft round and year. Sixth, I'll give you their current team. And seventh, I'll give you their number. Alright, so, you know, by the end of it. See, the thing with this... you ask for all seven, yes,
1: the thing with this is that, like, the first and third clue are both extremely unhelpful. So, like, the junior team, I can think of a very small amount of players where that would provide me any help at all. But whatever. You're, you're the you're the game master, so I, I can't bend the rules.
0: Exactly. And so, the number of points you get is basically uh, the number of clues that you left on the table plus one. All right? Okay. It makes sense? Yeah.
1: Got it. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So, what should we set the threshold? I'm thinking we do five rounds. Is that? I know we're going pretty long today. Um, we're yeah, that's fine. An hour and fine. A Twenty-three. What do you think?
1: Uh, all right, yeah, five rounds, five players.
0: Okay. And I have. Uh, I'm currently on random.org with all 183 relevant players, uh, and I'll randomize once, and I'll take the first five players, and those will be your players. All right. Wonderful. Okay. All right. Let's start with this player. Let me just pull up their hockey DB. So, this player. All right. So their current age is thirty years old. They are six foot three. They have played one hundred and sixty-two games, and they were undrafted. One
1: hundred sixty-two games, whole career.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, whole career. Uh, also, we didn't uh, we didn't set a threshold, did we? So.
1: Oh no, we didn't. What not. do we
0: think? Five rounds. I
1: I have no idea. Um I did you have anything in mind? Because I don't really have a gauge for for how many clues I'm gonna be All needing.
0: Right. I would say you average like three points a round. That would put you at fifteen points. Uh well four All points. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna say eighteen. Alright? So eighteen is your threshold. Completely arbitrary, and we'll see how difficult that is. All right. All right. Kay. Okay. So undrafted.
1: Wait, wait, so it's an undrafted six foot three 30-year-old who's played 162 career games. Um is this someone who played during round two or just played like at any point for the teams during the season?
0: Uh, at any point during the playoffs.
1: During the playoffs. All right, okay, got it. Uh okay, so the first one was junior team, then nationality then birth city then what was it
0: position then draft round and year and okay, uh, th- current team and number
1: position all right uh i think i'll i'll try four clues i'll try four i'll see if that helps four me
0: clues out. okay all right so for four points here are the clues all right so his junior team is I don't know how to pronounce this. Porady. Chamutov Paradi. Chamutov Paradi of the Czech League. Um, okay. His nationality is he's Czech. And his birth city is Pisek. Never heard of that. And his possession position is defenseman.
1: All right. So we've got a, a, a Czech defenseman. I feel like I should be able to get this. And he's 30. Okay, let me run through... Some teams in my head. Montreal, I don't believe they have any, any Czech defensemen at the moment. Uh they just played the Jets. I don't think they have any Czech defensemen either. Nothing comes to mind. How about uh the ooh, the lightning? Oh. oh. Oh, I think I got it. Is it is it Jan Ruda?
0: It is Jan Ruda. All right. Four points on the board. Very nice. Okay. Thank you. Alright. Next. Next person. Here we go. So, they are currently 26 years old. They are 6'3 also. They've played 405 NHL games. And their draft team was the Carolina Hurricanes.
1: How old did you say they were? 26. All right. A 26-year-old drafted by the Hurricanes, 6'3". Um, so if they're 26, that probably means they were drafted, uh, in, I think like 2012 or 2013, um, who did, all right. In 2013, the, oh, they drafted Brett Pesci that year. I think, um, in 2012, who did they, they drafted, um, in the first round, uh, I don't think they drafted anyone in the first round that year. All right. I'm thinking Brett Pesci. I'll go with two clues just to make sure that, uh, that he's a Canadian. So two clues, please.
0: Uh, the players junior team is the university of New Hampshire. So not like that. That's what they, that's what they played for. And their nationality oh, wait, is, okay. um, American. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty
1: sure she is American. Yeah. I just realized that Brett Pesci is not Canadian and he is American. I'm almost sure. So I'm feeling good about this. um, I'm guessing Brett Pesci.
0: All right. Very nice. It is Thank Brett you. Pesci. Okay. You're rolling. Um, yep. All right. So, next player. Let's pull up their DB. They are a 22 year old, 5 foot 11 player with 101 NHL games, and they are drafted by the Colorado Avalanche.
1: All right, twenty-two years old, drafted by the Avalanche. Um, wait, so five eleven, you said?
0: Yes, I did.
1: What were the What were the other characteristics? So twenty-two years old, five foot eleven, uh, drafted by the Avalanche. Games. 101 hundred and one games. All right, I I think I know who this is. Is it Kale McCarr?
0: Oh, okay, you went with no clues, getting all no eight clues. points. Hell yeah, it is Kale McCarr. Wow, just like that, three players already hit the threshold. (laughs)
1: Yay. Mm.
0: Very nice. Okay, already at 18 points. You don't even need these last two players. Um, But let's do them anyways. All right, next player. Let's Google. Okay, so this player is currently 26 years old. They are six feet tall. They have played 76 NHL games, and they do not have a draft team.
1: 26 years old 76 NHL games undrafted the undrafted ones are hard because a lot of times that yeah you know helps to know who they've been drafted by um why don't you give me uh wait how many possible clues are there seven seven yep all right i'll take all seven since i've already met the oh. threshold tell me everything right. that there is to know about mystery player
0: okay So a mystery player played in the USHL for the Youngstown Phantoms. Um, He is an American born in Columbus, Ohio. Position is left wing. Was not drafted. So there is no draft round nor a year. Um, His current team is the Colorado Avalanche. And his number is, I am going to google it because i don't have that on the db page it is 44
1: uh all right number 44 on colorado why can i why can i remember who number 44 is it's very weird is this like some sort of extremely obscure player it might be okay let me okay let me think about their 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 team all right so it's not mccarr he's all right number eight it's not devon It's not sam gerard uh it's not ryan graves it's not connor timmins uh, was Patrick Nemeth wearing forty? I think he's twenty-four. Uh, oh wait, never. You said it's a left winger. Also, why am I thinking of the defenseman? Uh, that was pretty idiotic of me. Anyway, uh, so and you said they're an American. So it's not Landeskog. It's not Rantanen. Um, it's not Brandon Saad because he's wearing number twenty. Uh, it's not nichushkin It's not Burakovsky. It's not Donskoy. Um, it's not Tyson Jost or JT Comfer or Nathan McKinnon. It's not. Pierre Edward Belmar, because he's not American. Neither is Carl Soderberg. Uh who else is there even? Alex Newhook? No. Logan O'Connor? No. Um you just lifting this... your
0: avalanche knowledge. <laughs>
1: well, well, apparently I'm not because I can't think of who this player is. Uh who else would have even like oh, played wait. for them this year? Okay.
0: So HockeyDB lists them as a left wing, but I'm looking on hockey reference and lists them as a right wing. So it is ambiguous just uh all right apparently
1: okay still though i can't all right so they're an american or winger wearing number 44 on the avalanche i have a feeling this is a guy who played like maybe two or three games this year um man i'm glad i went for every single clue because i'm (laughs) still not getting them um i should i should try and think about like i feel like i just looked at the avalanche like full franchise depth chart like yesterday so there are a couple like okay jason megna is not really giving me number 44 vibes and i'm not even sure if he's american uh who else sheldon dries um um tj tynan uh oh didn't they have another like acronym player not acronym you know what i mean like uh, two letters like a tj or a, well there's jt confer um it's not martin kaut uh, number 44. I feel like Mark Barbario wore number 44 when he was on the Avalanche, but he's not with him anymore. And he's also not a, a winger, a winger. So, what well, I'll just guess TJ Tynan. Why not?
0: Is it TJ Tynan? I do not hear you're muted. Whoops, my bad. Uh, um, right. you can just edit that out. Um, but uh, all right. So, we spent four, we, we spent some time there thinking about who it is. You didn't say their name, what's it is not that player. TJ Tynan. I've never even heard of that player. Um, This player has played two games in the playoffs for a total of like 18 minutes across both games, and it is Kiefer Sherwood.
1: Kiefer Sherwood. All right, I was, I was, so I was on the right track trying to think of franchise depth players uh, because Kiefer Sherwood is certainly one of them. All right, I don't feel too bad about missing Kiefer Sherwood. All right, let's go ahead to the next one.
0: All right, last guy. So. All right, this player is thirty years old, is six foot two, has played six hundred and eleven games in the NHL, and their draft team is the Columbus Blue Jackets.
1: All right, thirty years old, six foot. How many games did you say? Like four hundred eleven?
0: Six eleven.
1: Six hundred eleven. All right, that is a lot of games. So it's a grizzled vet of thirty who was probably drafted. either like. Uh, 2008 or 2009 or so. Um, who do they draft in 2008? I feel like they had a pick. Near- oh, they had like Nikita Filatov near the top of the draft. So it's not Nikita philatov In 2009, um, I mean, they're, they're bad. So they probably, oh, that was the year they took, uh, Ryan Johansson in the first round, uh, who, uh, was not in round two. So it might've been one of their later round picks from one of those years. Um... I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'll take. I'll take like. I'll take five clues.
0: Okay, five clues. So uh, that gives you junior team, nationality, birth city, position, and draft round and year. So, uh, all right. Um, so their junior team was the Moncton Wildcats. This person is a Canadian. Um, they were born in saint anne in quebec uh and their position is defense and they were drafted in the fourth round in 2009
1: all right fourth round 2009 quebecois defensemen um all right let's let me think around for some uh some quebecois defensemen uh who were drafted by the blue jackets i don't think any on the canadians all right, on the Jets, do they have any Blue Jacket draft picks? Was Dylan DeMello? I don't think so. Derek Forbert, Neil Pionk? I don't think so. Um, Jordy Ben, no. He was not a uh, – I don't think he was ever drafted, actually. Tampa Bay, uh, Hedman, who else do they have? McDonough, Surgachev, Chernak, um, not Luke Shin. I don't think he's with the Lightning. Uh, on the Hurricanes, do they have any Quebecois defensemen? I don't think so. Um, who else is there? The New York Islanders. Do they have any Quebecois defensemen, uh, who were of Columbus blue jacket draft pick in 2009? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. How about in Boston? They got McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo, Kevin Miller, Mike Riley. Oh, no, I think he's American. Um, and I don't think he was drafted by Columbus, uh, who else was on the on the Bruins? Connor Clifton, ooh, Connor Clifton. Connor Clifton. that for some reason that's ringing like a Columbus draft pick bell. Oh, he hasn't played 611 games though. There's no way. So n- not him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then and then the last series I'm missing is Colorado Vegas. Uh, Colorado. Uh, not Sam Gerard, Not McCarr, Taves Graves patrick nemeth oh was he a was he a blue jacket draft pick i don't i'm not feeling too great with that one if i can't think of anyone else though then maybe i'll circle back to patrick nemeth on vegas oh i feel like it'll be here somewhere uh okay petrangelo theodore martinez braden McNabb, uh nicholas haig zach whitecloud uh I have no idea. And I don't think Patrick Nemeth has played six hundred eleven games. Um so I've got to, I've gotta say I'm a little bit lost on this one. Um Hmm. Yeah, whatever, I've won already. I'll go with Patrick Nemeth. Why not? Is it Patrick <laughs> Nemeth?
0: Okay, so um no, it's not Patrick Nemeth. And I was somewhat surprised as you went through the teams that you didn't catch on to this one because he actually was playing for the Blue Jackets earlier this season um, and was promptly traded to his current team. It is... defensive for ...the Tampa Bay oh, Lightning, man. David Savard. Yeah, exactly. I forgot about Ooh.
1: him, that he was in the Lightning. I jumped over that. Oh, I would have got it for sure if I thought of him. Oh, man. Oh, well.
0: <laughs> but you didn't. Um, but either Pardon. way, you nailed the quiz. Got uh, the 18 points that I set arbitrarily. And, and uh, very more. well done. And none more.
1: All right. Okay. That is it for this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Uh, it's a longer one than we've had in a while. Thanks for listening. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Oh, where, by the way, uh, Taisei uh, won the poll uh, with, I think, like 57% from the last episode. Oh. Apparently... Those people have
0: spoken. Apparently, people, have spoken. people think...
1: Apparently the people would rather be awake and productive at 10 in the morning than <laughs> asleep at four in the morning for some reason. Uh, but when we, our next draft, I have actually a plan that would apply to any topic we do that I think will work out pretty nicely. Uh, so stay tuned for that in a couple weeks. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter too, and you can share this episode and we will be back in about a week. with Another app of content.